to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Shriver. I'm sitting here with James Harkin, Andy Murray, and Anna Chizinski. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with you, Andy Murray. My fact is that when you are 30 meters underwater, your lungs are only a quarter of their normal size. That is incredible. Yeah. How? What's? Because there's no not enough air in them. Well, there's the same number of air molecules if you just take one lungful and then you dive down. But the water pressure on them is much higher, meaning that your lungs shrink. So if you're at sea level, all the air above you—if you imagine a column of air uh, stretching all the way up to the edge of the atmosphere—one mm. um, square inch of that column would weigh fourteen point seven pounds, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. We say the pressure, the air pressure at sea level is 14 pounds per square inch, 14.7. It is amazing, actually, to think all of that air pushing down on you whenever you're walking down the street. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 We're all superhumanly strong. (laughs) Uh, Well, we're all humanly strong. Uh, Yeah, fair. Yeah. But in the sea, to get another 14.7 pounds pressing down on you, you only have to go down uh, 10 meters, right? So at that depth... Um, if you had a balloon full of gas and you pulled it 10 metres underwater, 33 feet, it would be half the size because there are two atmospheres of pressure. Wow. So the same thing is happening to your lungs when you go underwater. And if you go three times that, if you go 30 metres down, uh, you would have to have four times as many gas molecules in your lungs to fill them to their original size. Now, it doesn't apply if, you have, uh, if you're breathing pressurised air, right? So scuba divers, they breathe in air which is at a much higher pressure than normal air. So you're breathing in a higher number of uh, molecules, four times as many gas molecules at that depth. So their lungs are the same. Yeah. So you're talking about free diving when you're talking about... Yeah. Yeah. When you get to about 300 feet under the surface of the water, uh, there was a guy in 1996 um, who uh, was called Francisco Ferraz Rodriguez. His chest shrunk from a size 50 inches to 20 Whoa. So what we're saying is, if you need to get fitted for a suit, don't get fitted 436 <laughs> feet under the water. Unless you're planning to wear that suit 400 <laughs> feet under the water. Yeah. For, yeah. The, for the wedding, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise you're just going to look baggy as hell. Yeah. Um, so, I was uh, when you said this fact about the lungs, which is extraordinary, the idea that it can shrink down to the, that size, um, I started reading into, uh, so James Nestor, I read this article by him, he wrote this book called Free Diving, so he talks a lot about this thing that they've been studying for about 50 years, uh, which is called the master switch of life. That's the term for it. Uh, the idea is that when we go into the water, we slowly start turning into water-based animals the deeper we go, as in our body adapts to so in the way... So if you stay underwater for long enough, you turn into a fish. Yeah, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a really fascinating thing. So when you start diving down, um, you have to paddle down because gravity is trying to do a buoyancy thing of sending you back up. So you have to go down. As soon as you get to 40 feet, then the gravity shifts and it starts pulling you down. So free divers then just put their hands by their sides and they allow themselves to be pulled down because you need to save every single bit of oxygen that you have inside your body. And your heart rate goes down to something, some people, like this is very rare, but some people, seven beats a minute. That's how much your body just relaxes into a different state. Is it called the cold water reflex or the... 
the, the dive reflex. Yeah, the mammalian dive reflex. Yes. Yeah. That's that's this master switch of life. That's the other term for it. Yeah. But it happens as soon as you touch water. Yeah, yeah. That's what's so weird. So it's, when you, I've, I have a theory now that when you splash your face with cold water, the reason it can snap you out of like a panic attack or being anxious is because actually it gives you the dive reflex, which immediately slows your heart rate down. Ah. Um, and it hugely slows it, doesn't it? So there was an experiment where people had to exercise to like synchronize swimming on the bottom of a deep pool or something and you know it really doesn't increase at all in the same way that it would above water but i don't think we know how it is that no they've been yeah they've been they've been researching someone wrote that free diving is the only sport in which the lungs shrink and the heart slows down every other sport there is yeah heart rate speeds up oh talking of heart slowing down have we ever mentioned the guy that got in touch with us no, um, no, we haven't, no. A guy emailed us called uh, Martin Brady, emailed the podcast email address a few weeks ago, and he just sent me an email saying, I thought you might like to know that the world record for the lowest resting heartbeat is 27 beats a minute. It's held by someone called Martin Bradier, and the condition of having a low heart rate is bradycardia, and the two are completely unrelated. So he's called Martin Bradier, and the condition is bradycardia. Weird coincidence, really cool fact. And I looked at his email address and replied and was like, are you Martin Brady? He's like, yes, I am. So, yeah, the guy with the Guinness World Record for the lowest heartbeat has been in touch. So that'll be the lowest resting heartbeat, right? Lowest resting. So this guy who goes underwater who can go down to seven beats a minute is slightly different. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys heard of the Aquaman crystal? No. no. This is a new scientific... Because uh, <laughs> it sounds like it's from the Fantastic Four or something. Yeah. No, it's real. This is real. So um, I don't fully understand it, but <laughs> these, are, these are... And they're in prototype stage at the moment. <laughs> they're crystals that absorb oxygen. Uh, they allow... Uh, the idea is that they would allow you eventually if yeah. we can work out how to use I them. I have heard of these. Actually. Have you? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so they, they basically... to do what? Well, they, they take in the oxygen around them. So uh, in a room, they can suck it. They can absorb all the oxygen into them. So if you were able to take it down into the ocean you wouldn't need the tank anymore oh, you'd be yes. able just to breathe in through these crystals but if you're a super villain for instance <laughs> then you could get some of these crystals put them in a room and it'll just suck all the oxygen out and then you'd kill everyone in the oh, room wow so that is a dan brown novel waiting to be written i yeah. think i know people who have been using these for years because <laughs> whenever you're talking to them it really feels like all the air has been sucked <laughs> out of the room why are you looking at me now <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask a question about lungs? Yeah, ask me. I'll know. Okay, (laughs) I think you will know. There have been a couple of news reports over the last few years about people having plants grow in their lungs. Uh, So there was a guy who inhaled a fir tree seed and a fir tree started to grow in his lungs. Um, And there was someone else who um, inhaled a pea seed and I think a pea plant started to grow in his lungs. Now, a study was done which said, or a report was released which said it is not possible for any plant to grow inside someone's lungs. It needs light, etc. But nothing has explained to me how these people, I've seen x-rays of their lungs. I don't agree with the second thing that you said because if you have plants in the ground, they don't have the light. Yeah. So just for them to germinate, they wouldn't need the light. Yeah. The and I assume an that's what's happened. I think the the like fir tree inside his lungs, it's not like a massive Christmas tree. It's just like a germination of the. Although seeds. he did, they did say the pain was caused by the little fir tree needles poking into his capillaries and the baubles. <laughs> <laughs> the angel on top really caused a choking hazard. Imagine if one day he just found a bit of tinsel at the corner of his mouth, <laughs> yeah. and started pulling on it. <laughs> Rather, it come out of your mouth. I think. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, also in underwater news, uh, there's someone called Jim Dyke Jr. who's testing out a new theory that you can actually age wine much better by dropping it uh, to the bottom of, or certainly quite deep into an ocean. Is that because it takes so long to retrieve that it's quite a lot older? <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, he was inspired by, there was quite a few stories of shipwrecks coming up with all sorts of alcohols, champagne being one of mm. them, um, and they all tasted really good. And he has a theory that the aging process through being underwater will actually be much more efficient and much better. So it's an ongoing new theory. That it's might be, be unbelievably inconvenient when majestic wine is stationed <laughs> on the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> Can I, have to do home I, delivery. I was actually just passing by to get my suit fitted, but uh, <laughs> I suppose I'll get some wine while I'm here. Um, one other lung thing. Do you guys remember the story of um, a doctor called Angus Wallace in the 1990s who was on an aeroplane and did an amazing thing. There are my clues. Oh, um, tracheotomy uh, with a biro. Yeah, yeah. And, and, not a, a biro. And a coat hanger. A coat hanger. Yes. Yeah. Biros oh. don't work. Do they? No, there was a study. Well, they about... work for writing before the biro <laughs> industry gets onto us. <laughs> they were never designed for tracheotomies, I think would be their defense. I'd try to bring down the biro industry. <laughs> <laughs> You're attacking them in the wrong place. Yeah, but just on that, there was a study done about um, biros for tracheotomies, and um, they reckon that they're just kind of the wrong shape, and they just wouldn't quite work. Oh, really? Oh. It wasn't actually quite a tracheotomy, I don't think, on the plane, okay. but it, it is the most incredible story. So this is the, one of the surgeons, Angus Wallace, treated Wayne Rooney uh, at the World Cup 2006, and 10 years earlier he'd been on a flight and a girl complained of chest pain um, and said she'd fallen off her bike and it turned out she'd been in a big motorbike accident. And he realised that she had a collapsed lung, and so they had to get a catheter up into her lung to stop it from completely caving inwards. And the way the only catheter they had in the medical equipment was too floppy because it was for a different part of the body um, and so he got a coat hanger into the catheter to stiffen it up um, and then he fashioned a one-way valve by prodding holes into the lid of an Evian bottle um, <laughs> and he used a bit of an oxygen mask tubing I think to thread it up there and uh, this, this was one of the Blue Peter presenters <laughs> <laughs> Is this a MacGyver episode? <laughs> wow. Except post-curfew so non-Blue Peter he had to sterilise all the equipment with first-class cognac even though it turned out they did have alcohol wipes in the first aid kit. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said afterwards he didn't have time to check. Um, and then he, his associate held her chest open with a knife and fork <gasps> while he inserted oh, the catheter. Oh my god! One of the plastic knives and forks. I think one of the plastics. Yeah. Oh, this was the nineties, so maybe they were still allowed metal. Then. Yeah. But I think then, this explains why Wayne Rooney's always injured because he's held together with <laughs> sticky back plastic. <laughs> Held together with, yeah. That's amazing. It's a coat hanger. And did she make a recovery? He said she. it took about 10 minutes and then she passed the rest of the flight uneventfully eating and watching in-flight entertainment. <laughs> what? <laughs> but the person next to her had nowhere to hang his coat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is Chazinski. My fact this week is that online shopping was predicted in 1857. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So That's this is... quite a prediction. So how close is it to modern day online shopping? Or is it just like, you know... They predicted shopping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like added online to make it sound better. 
Um, it's Well, I think it's quite close. So this is in an essay that was written in a magazine called The Leisure Hour in 1857. And I read it on a website called publicdomainreview.org, which is my favorite place on the whole internet. It's incredible. Everyone go to it. Um, but yeah, the thing this guy predicted was that in every district, uh, shops would have electric wires that branched off in all directions away from them that would be attached to all the houses in the area. And when, uh, well, he says, no sooner did a housekeeper stand in need of any article, she could dispatch the order instantly along the wire. So just press a little mm-hmm. button along the wire and the shop would receive that message and receive the news of what she wanted. And then the very first rail ca- railway carriage that was passing would be able to drop off the item on its way. It's amazing. I mean, that's that is. Close, yeah, right? pretty close, yeah. I read the essay and there are a lot of other predictions in it as well. So yeah. he predicts that the River Thames will be completely clear and full of fish. Not quite there. I bet it's a lot more full of fish than it was in those days. True. He also predicts that there would be 20 new bridges across the Thames between 1857 and 1957. And how many? I counted and there are 26. Ah. Not bad. Ah, Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah. Yeah, no one will be wearing hats or bonnets anymore in 1957. That one wasn't quite on because hats were still pretty big then. Although he'd said that they'd just be... Repl- I, th- I got excited by that because I thought, well done, you've finally seen the idiocy of the fact that everyone wore a hat until about 1950. But then he said they'll just be replaced by a slightly easier head garment, a less showy yeah. head garment. <laughs> why, don't, why didn't people realise you don't need to wear a head garment at all? Well, mm. if you want to keep your head warm. They're not necessary now. They weren't then, James. Right, Take your hat off inside anyway. Well, <laughs> you wouldn't have got on very well in Stockport in the um, early 20th century where anyone walking around without a hat would get stones thrown at them. Really? Oh, really? Because it was a big hatting area. This happened, I think, in Luton as well. These were two big hatting areas and it was just seemed to be your local duty to always wear a hat and if you didn't, people would just abuse you. Really? really? Yeah. I actually don't think I would have gone down very well in Stockport in the early 20th century anyway. <laughs> Isn't Luton now uh, got a big Volkswagen factory? It's got Maybe. an airport. It's got an airport. So anyone walking around not in a plane these days <laughs> gets, uh, gets stones thrown at them. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, I was looking into predictions from around roughly the same period. I found a nice one that um, was from 1900, and it was a sort of 100-year prediction as well. And I think it's actually quite a famous one. This is this is went around the internet quite a lot. Uh, John Elfrith Watkins. So there are a few interesting predictions there. One, my favorite one, uh, he thought that Americans would be taller by one to two inches. That's quite exciting, which is probably probably true-ish. More than that, I reckon. Yeah, right. Uh, but my favorite one is the one that he got wrong, which is he thought in 100 years' time there would be no more C, X, or Q in the everyday alphabet. Ah. He just thought that would go, that we didn't need them. Sensible, we don't. Well, we do. What do we We need a C for that you can't use a K or an S? Nothing. Oh, I see. Right. (laughs) What do we need an X for that you can't use a K and an S for? Okay, but the word quixotic would really suffer (laughs) under this rule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That's going to have to go, I'm afraid. Um, He also predicted ready-cooked meals, but... He then thought they'd be delivered through pneumatic tubes from the shops to people's homes. Mm. Who's to say that we won't have that in the future? Well, fingers crossed. (laughs) Um, I saw an article in the Summit County Journal from 1909 that got posted on QI.com by a guy called Mort. Uh, and I'll just read a little bit out to you if it's okay. A hundred years from now, if you want to avoid the rush and do your Christmas shopping in your own apartments, the scientists will probably have provided for you a telescope and (laughs) (laughs) And the idea is that you'll be able to see the toy department from your house. What? 
So you look through the telescope, and then using a telephone, you'll be able to get in touch with the clerk and tell them what you want from no, the not, not that one. No, <laughs> the one behind it. Wait, so does everyone have to live directly opposite the toy shop? Well, he almost predicted last year's John Lewis advert, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, just on predictions, um, have you heard of Effie Smith? No. He was an amazing guy. He was the first Earl of Birkenhead. He was alive in the um, late 19th, early 20th century. He was Winston Churchill's best friend, right? He had an enormous brain. And in 1930, he made another 100 years from now prediction. So this is 2030 he's talking mm, about. Okay. So he's got time for some of these to come yeah, true. Yeah. But I think a lot of them may not. <laughs> um, so some of them he gets absolutely right. Um, but he says that plane ownership will be common. Like, lots of people will just have their own plane. It'll be very, very normal. Yeah. Um, have you not got one? No. Um, <laughs> also, he says that um, people will be living into their 120s, and that'll be a massive problem for people, because uh, how will youths of 20 be able to compete in the professions or business against vigorous men still in their prime at 120 with a century of experience on which to draw? That's a really good point. But just going back to the aeroplanes thing, yeah. um, a lot of people think we'll have flying cars by then. Right, fair play, yes. Well, he also predicts that everyone will be so wealthy and affluent that we will all be able to go fox hunting all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Again, don't you? I do it in my plane. (laughs) Um, And this is the thing, he was really, really far ahead of his time. He, He saw early TV and he wanted TV to allow us to vote in the same way that the ancient Greeks would vote, and you'd have a referendum over the course of an evening, basically, uh-huh. electronically. Uh, so he predicted, really um, what are all those programmes of Simon Cowell? Yeah, he predicted X Factor. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. Um, he That's also amazing. predicted that, uh, which should have come true, but hasn't, that um, men would only have two outfits by 2030, which would save a lot of time, because <laughs> you'd have your casual outfit and then your non-casual outfit. That's you have great. your one for normal sea level and then one for 400 <laughs> metres below. <laughs> Something else that uh, a guy called Jules Bois predicted in 1909 was a flying bicycle. Did he call it a flycycle? He wasn't smart enough for that. (laughs) I mean, the guy was a moron. He predicted a flying bicycle. (laughs) Or the film (laughs) E.T. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can can relate it to every... Yeah, basically, I can predict anything I like, and in 100 years, I just say, oh, yeah, it was that. It was that. (laughs) That's what I meant. Yeah. You all misunderstood. Oh, communicating with each other's brains is something that I think most futurologists say is the most likely thing to happen. I was reading an article where two futurologists said that's 100% chance within 100 years, or I think they said by 2050. Um, So that'll be how we won't have to have this podcast at all out loud. There'll be no use for our mouths. (laughs) No use for our mouths. No use for our mouths. How are we going to eat? Uh, no, no. That'll be through the brain as well, yeah, yeah. Like, like an octopus. People will you... use their mouths to keep loose change <laughs> and other small items. Would you transfer the visuals or would it just be the words? Let's say you're picturing your house. You're like, oh, I used to live in... Am I just hearing you say, I used to live in this house or can I see... Great question. I don't know. Ask a futurologist. I don't I even imagine consider that. It will start off just maybe being words and then it will move on to images. And then it'll move on to 3D How images. Can you and... read a word that's in someone's brain? If I'm thinking the word octopus, octopus. now, oh. <laughs> that's amazing. Octopus now, great movie. <laughs> God, imagine the dystopia that we'll live in, though. If everything you think, everyone will automatically hear. That is, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> imagine if we all knew what each other was thinking right now. Wow, it's not a world I want to live in. No, <laughs> I don't even like hearing the stuff you guys say. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely don't want to be in the one where you know what we think, Andy. (laughs) 
Okay, it is time for our next fact, and that is Harkin. Okay, my fact this week is that the word pants comes from the Greek word for all compassionate. <laughs> mm. This is great. They are. My pants are very thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> not. In the future, we'll live in a world where everyone's pants are thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> they just write you nice messages, send them upwards. <laughs> this is um, a bit of an etymological merry-go-round. Um, so the word pants comes from the word pantaloon, which came from a character in um, a, the Italian Commedia dell'arte called Pantalone. And he had extremely tight trousers, which is where the word pants became to mean trousers. Uh, and Pantalone's name comes from the Greek word meaning all compassionate. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Like pan as in everything, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh. Uh. And Pantalone or Pantaleone was a saint, wasn't he? Um, I think as well. And that's why he was called that in the Commedia dell'arte. He was the patron saint of pants. Venice. <laughs> He was a patron saint of Venice, so I think around the 16th century, Venetians were referred to as pan- pantaloons or pantaleones. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So a pair of pantaloons in those days just meant two guys from Venice. Yeah, exactly. Wow. A pair of pants. My Italian mates. That's cool. So the merchant from Venice would just be a pant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. A merchant of pants. <laughs> it's a whole different story. <laughs> So, so what is the Commedia dell'arte theatre thing that this comes from? So this is like a Renaissance type of art. Um, it was an old play, and a lot of the modern-day um, kind of art comes from there. So um, clowns come from there. The Harlequin was one of the characters, ah. and the modern-day clown comes from that. Uh, Punch from Punch and Judy probably comes from there as well. Uh, and Scaramouche. Scaramouche. Of Queen fame. He's <laughs> a character from Commedia dell'arte, isn't he? That's right. Um so, Andy, you wouldn't exist without it in your current guise, which well, would my be a relief for many. My parents met at a Commedia dell'arte <laughs> <laughs> reunion. No, what do you mean? Um, it was originally called the uh, Commedia dell'improviso because it was turning improvisation Ooh. into an art. And so uh, people who are professional actors would do Commedia dell'arte, would do this improvised thing. So they'd be these characters like Scaramouche um, or like Pantaleone, but they would make up uh, according to their character in each different performance what was happening so you could promise that every performance would be different but equally tedious uh, no, that's, no, that, that is just modern improv did, did people <laughs> shall we just say that Andy is in a very successful improv troupe called Ostentatious which you should definitely check out and they are extremely funny yeah, Andy aside <laughs> six out of the seven members are yeah. winners yeah yeah. but yeah it was what cool. professional actors would do so amateur actors would be given uh, plays that they would just memorise and then they'd recite wow. them but proper professional actors would be the ones who were allowed to do this imp- special improvising oh, to live in a world where improvisers got the kudos <laughs> of actors it is totally yeah. unbelievable so I think that trousers uh, or pants were invented because King George the Fourth was so fat. Really? Do you reckon? Do, wait, underpants or trousers? Oh no! So this has been a matter of contention in this office, hasn't it? Uh, so I'm talking about pants, which are trousers uh-huh. to us. So um, you're talking about how people used to wear breeches rather than trousers, is that right? Yes, so people wore breeches or breeches, um, and then trousers started being worn around the turn of the 19th century. And this is at the time when George IV was about to take the throne, and he was massively fat. So his uh, his favourite breakfast, apparently, was two roast pigeons, three beefsteaks, a bottle of white wine, a glass of champagne, two glasses of port, and a glass of brandy. But that was just so breakfast. He was fat and drunk. Yeah, that was, that was breakfast. Favourite breakfast. You don't have your favourite every day. You might have that a few. 
few times a week. It's like you don't have crunchy nut cornflakes every day. No, exactly. (laughs) That's when he was treating himself. So he was gigantic, and he found that this new... uh, uh, trousers that people were wearing or pantaloons people were wearing were a bit more stretchy had a little bit more give for the 28 stone man and so he started wearing them and then it sort of took off from there uh, about is, it true that, is it true that the Duke of Wellington was once um, banned from a club for wearing trousers like he went, tried to go in there it was somewhere in London and they wouldn't let him in because he was wearing trousers oh, yes, I, I remember heard that, that story yeah 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 were you not allowed Trousers, no, because everyone wore britches rather than trousers, oh, and they right. were just seen as like this. It's like wearing a shell suit. Yeah. Well, okay. the ancient Romans said that the trousers was the mark of a barbarian people. Did they? Yeah, because trousers know. go way back. Uh, sort of proto trousers, if you like. Your trousers. <laughs> 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 um, so they was um, definitely BC, and th- it's really interesting. They basically uh, were developed in societies which did a lot of horse riding. Mm-hmm. because it's much easier to ride a horse wearing trousers than it is wearing a robe. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was reading about um, a bunch of different interesting underpants uh, that are out there on the market at right. the moment. Uh, this one's not actually on the market, I don't think, quite just yet, but it should be. These are wedgie-proof underpants. Oh, so yeah. these are made, oh, yeah. these are for school children, designed by <laughs> school children, the two boys who uh, used to get wedgied a lot. So they invented the Ripaway 1000, wow. and it was a Velcro pair of boxers so you would so they just come off if somebody tries <laughs> to give you a wedgie I mean that is in a, in a way less good than just having because at least with a wedgie you know you still got your pants I mean, you know true. more than you ever knew before yeah, yeah that's true that's true so but, you then but uh, kudos for them developing something new yeah really yeah. yeah well done for being a bit imaginative kids yeah streakers have velcro trousers don't they do, do they? they do they yeah. all street strippers it, do yeah, but streakers as well at sporting they? events. Because they you, probably get them from the same place. Maybe. You have to get... I think a lot of them develop their own because you have to get out of your clothes really quickly. You can't hang around if you're a streaker undoing <laughs> yeah. your buttons and stuff. You have to go for it. You have to get them all off in a few seconds and then you're away. I you? agree with you, Anna, that they probably get them from the same place because it'd be a bit weird to have a shop which sold this kind of thing but you only sold it to either streakers <laughs> <Yeah>. or strippers. <laughs> no streakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was looking also into the most expensive uh, underwear. So, uh, Y-fronts. Um, they actually, they're a really interesting sort of um, golden ones that you can buy. Um, so then I thought, okay, so that's, that's Y-fronts. Um, I'm going to look into boxers and see what the most expensive are. And um, I read the wrong list. The most uh, expensive boxer is Floyd Mayweather Jr. <laughs> 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 but that's interesting to know as well. Um, there was a pair that was sold. Uh, these are historical pants, so they're a bit different. But uh, there was a pair sold quite recently for £10,500. Uh, any guesses? Napoleons. No. Not right era. Queen Victorias. Queen Victorias. And mm. they dated they dated the rough age of the pants by the waistline because they oh, have good photographic yeah. evidence of when Queen Victoria was what size. Oh. These are 45 inches at the waist, so they know roughly what year it's from. That is so rough, isn't it? I mean, because she, she, she was very big for about 20 years. Yeah, she I could think. have been 400 metres underwater at some time. Um, she was yeah. her girth was bigger than her height wasn't it by the yeah. end of her life that's true and I think those pants reflected that yeah mm. um, but the, um, the, the, the the report on them said that they were sold to an English woman who was a private collector and did not want to be identified but she assumed the pants would remain in England 
Yeah. It's good. Sometimes you have to buy a piece of art for the nation, don't you? Yeah, yeah you really yeah. do. We're all very grateful to that person. <laughs> um, I read a very good story in 14 Times, the latest edition of 14 Times. Uh, the headline being, squatting in skinny jeans is dangerous. So if you squat in skinny jeans, it can actually cut off all of your um, circulation of blood. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> cut off your... <laughs> Uh, so a lady, um, uh, doctors issued a warning after a 35-year-old woman was found lying in an Adelaide street in Australia, unable to stand after spending hours emptying cupboards and lifting boxes. Her calves were so swollen, they had to cut her out of her crazy. skinny jeans because that's how crazy. So, yeah. It sounds like she had the wrong idea of her own size. I think she might have been one of those people who's buying a couple of sizes too small. What you do with skinny jeans because they often stretch. You can get those jeggings. Do you? What, you buy jeans that are too small for you? Yeah, slightly. No? I did wonder why you look like that every morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, while we're in Australia, yeah. I read an article about the most popular terms for underwear in Australia. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I thought, do you want to have a quick game? Let's see if this works. Yeah. Yes. Do you want to have a quick game of Australian words for underwear or Australian words for animals? Okay. Amazing. Okay. okay. I'll read it out and you have to say whether it's an underwear or an animal. Bobblies. Animal. Animal. Underwear. Underwear. Oh, yeah. It is. Um, fudgemudges. Animal. Underwear. Animal. Oh, Annie, you are so good at this game. Oh, Underwear. Yeah, smashing it. Uh, Brolgers. Animals. I'm just waiting to see what Anna says. <laughs> animals. Underwear. It's an animal. It's oh. a type of crane. Hey, three out of three. Gold, and gold. yabbies. Underwear. Animal. Animal. Yeah, Dan, you knew that. I knew you? that one, yeah. It's a type of inland crayfish. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. And that's the end of Animal or Pants. <laughs> <laughs> Can we put a theme tune in that afterwards? Definitely. Right. Um, <laughs> Animal or Pants. You used to be able to get paper pants in newsagents. Did you? Yeah. Is With the news can... on it? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean normal paper. I don't mean newspaper. <laughs> right. Was it for if you'd lost your pants or if you'd wet your pants? I think so. Okay, because you know when you arrive at an airport on a holiday and your suitcase doesn't turn up, then you get given paper pants by the airport. I've had that. I lived in paper pants for about five days. Really? really? Yeah, on my gap yard. Wow, five days? <laughs> yeah, it was, was it rough. the same pair? I think they gave me two or three. I don't think they gave me enough for the number of days I had to wear them. Wow. If you've had to get paper pants because you've wet your initial pants, mm. paper's not the best material for someone who but has think... a track record. <laughs> um. I think you would go commando in that situation. And the word go commando comes from... Commandos in the army don't wear pants. No, it's not that. It's just always being ready. Oh. And it's like, a, I think it's a sexual thing. Like, you're always ready because you're not wearing pants. So the commandos are always ready? So the commando's always ready. Right. And if you don't wear pants, you're always ready for <laughs> sexual action. It's not mm. necessarily true. Is it not? <laughs> no. And I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the use of sexual action. <laughs> Um, Most women didn't wear pants until the 19th century, did they? Did they not? They went commando for they? many hundreds of years. No, for a reason or just well, well why well, do we wear they, pants well, now? They wanted to be always ready for sexual action. <laughs> apparently, it was actually pants were frowned upon really in women before that, and were very rare and were thought to be mainly for sort of courtesans and wow. and such like. And I think bras were worn before pants mostly, or bras were po- popularly worn before pants. Wow. There you go. I found out a fact about cod pieces, oh, yeah. which is that they used to be used as pockets 
Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. There is a paper online which examines the evidence for and against it, but it's not publicly available, so I haven't been able to get hold of it yet. But some people say it probably didn't happen, and other people say, yes, definitely, people kept coins and uh, other little odds and ends in yeah, their I've been told that from um, one of the armories experts at the Tower of London told me that. That's a pretty good source. Yeah. A cod piece goes over everything else, right? Yeah, yeah so that's it's fine. on the outside. Well, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a pouch. Yeah. That's the pre-pouch. But it's you'd boring. be a bit worried if you saw if you, so, someone next to you at the theatre, you saw them rummaging around <laughs> down there, and they said, oh, no, it's just my cod piece. I'm just getting out some money for an ice cream or something. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's this... like a sporran, though, isn't it? People yeah. rummage around in their yeah. sporrans all the time. But it's not always. Sh- but sporrans aren't shaped like penises. That's the other thing, I think. That's a good point. Our yeah. cod pieces, I thought they look a bit like surgical masks more than anything. <laughs> what? Aren't they sort of just what? like. What? Uh... So that's also what penises look like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're green and they're made of cloth, and, sur- and surgeons wear them on their faces. Yeah. What? No. What? Wait, Poor so surgeon. you're saying it's shaped like. I'm saying that you can get cod pieces which are little. Sort of, like they look like lumps, basically. They look like yeah, boyfriends. Exactly. They look, yeah, they look like a SARS mask. Like it's just like a. I've just never you, when you had of... when you had your appendix out, did you say to the surgeon, "Can you take that copies off your face? I can't concentrate." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is there any money in there? I want an ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that all new emojis are approved by one 63-year-old man. That's so good. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, this is a world of the internet that I didn't know existed. I've never thought, where do emojis come from? Mm. I had no idea. It turns out that there's a big council that get together, and they approve on what the new emojis are going to be that we have out in the world. And the reason for that is obviously something I hadn't thought of as well that you need to have codes that are working on any kind of gadget, be it Facebook to an iPhone to a Galaxy, Samsung, whatever your phone is. They all need to have the same code. So basically it's this big group that get together. They're all volunteers from big companies like Google and Facebook and so on, and they all vote on what they think should be a new uh, emoji. So it's headed up by one guy who is the co-founder, and he is the president called Mark Davis, and his daughter and many people online call him the shadowy emoji overlord she uh, <laughs> she made him a shirt so that he wears that around whenever he does conferences but he effectively has high command on the approval of these emojis my liege we must have a flaming poo <laughs> it's amazing um so unicode is not in and of itself a very sexy thing it's just sort of ensuring that computers can talk to each other and that characters mean the same thing in different code and it's only really become this really fun crazy thing since the rise of the emoji is very peculiar yeah. but they've been going since the since well before emojis yeah i think well, you did you say that it's called the unicode consortium if you no said i that, hadn't I yeah it. and they and they release about seven thousand characters a year but only about 70 of those are emojis the rest is for language it's how oh, really? how do you get chinese and how do you get any mm. arabic you know like yeah, all the languages yeah. so that's what they focus on so there's 70 new emojis every year roughly yeah yeah Ooh. yeah so currently there's via these guys there are 1624 and this is from an article that appeared a few months ago so there will be new ones approved and some people come in with really high hopes i I was reading an article which kind of most of my research has come from actually uh liat berdugo wrote this article called two days with the shadowy emoji overlords (laughs) 
And uh, she said that there would be people coming with ideas and hoping to get these 10 new food-based emojis approved by them. And it wasn't looking so good. And would it happen? Wow. Do yeah. you know, have you read the list of uh, the emojis that are up for approval at the moment? No. Oh, I want to hear them. They're actually not as exciting and hilarious as I hoped. But mm. uh, So a few that were approved last year were the cheese wedge, the middle finger, a mosque, a synagogue, and a clown face, which I think was quite a nice reflection of uh, our global society yeah. and we want some that are up for approval which will come into force next year if approved <laughs> uh, includes uh, avocado a scooter a canoe the modern pentathlon whoa how does that work it's a lot of very intricate little characters a shallow pan of food a rhino mrs claus and a selfie I don't think we need an emoji for Mrs. Claus, do we? Oh, no. everyday sexism. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm guilty of it. Yeah. Apparently, they've become quite political, though, which makes sense. So there's, there was controversy about the omission of tacos and burritos from emojis because they come from Japan originally, so they were quite heavy on... Uh, 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 sorry, emojis, emojis do. <laughs> rather than tacos. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> burritos are not from japan uh emojis came from japan originally so they were quite heavy on japanese food and then obviously they involve lots of western foods now and then it was realized that there weren't very many mexican foods involved so mm. now there are tacos and burritos but someone pointed out that there are hardly any african foods so you haven't got an injera emoji mm. or a goat curry emoji which is what they're all very worried about in zimbabwe at the moment yeah, i think really so here's the thing anyone can be a part of this group and vote on the new emojis. Great. Anyone Where can do, do it. do I sign up? Well, you can sign up. Uh, there's, you just, you've got to just apply. Uh, the one full thing is that you need to become a member properly to do it for uh, the vote itself. And that's <laughs> And that's $18,000 American oh, a year. very sad face. <laughs> <laughs> but so as a result, it is the big companies, Apple, Facebook, IBM. Oh, yeah. but, okay. And then also odd ones like the Ministry of Endowment and Religious Affairs of the Sultanate of Oman. They're oh, also a part they? of deciding on emojis. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, good. And the rules are: you're not allowed to have anyone who's alive, like Justin Bieber. Yes, but if someone like Kim Kardashian has invented her own range of emojis, which she has, and lots of yes. celebrities are inventing their own ranges, are yeah. those not official? They're not those... through this. They're not through this group. I see. Yeah. So that's just something that. And they're, they're not going to be working on every platform. I'm guessing. Sure. Because well, there is a very exciting. There's a range of Kim Jong Un. Uh, emojis which you can is send there? people. Yeah, oh, really? it was released in response to the Kardashian ones, pointing out this is not the only famous Kim on the planet. You know, <laughs> there's another Kim who's just as cheeky and just as determined to break the internet. <laughs> Although in his case, it's by dropping bombs on the internet. <laughs> um, just on Kim Jong Un, very quickly. Did you guys see? It's going around on Twitter today. There's a lady who's published a photo of her two kneecaps. One looks like Kim Jong Un, and the other looks like James Corden. Yeah, and right. they do. They do. They look exactly really? like. Yeah, it's hilarious. Did you not think? I um, yeah. Okay. I the James so. Corden. You got, James has face blindness, actually, so you wouldn't have been able That's to recognise James Corden. I don't have knee blindness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Finland apparently is the first country to create emojis out of national symbols. Uh, there are three, and I bet you can guess them all. Herring. No. Sauna. Yes, a naked couple sitting in a sauna is nice. one of them. Um. Oh, uh, uh, Nokia. Yep, Nokia thirty-three ten. Um, and the third one is snow. A, a, the the flag of Finland. No, because that's a already kind one, of I guess. fish. No, it's a headbanger making a devil horn sign with his fingers. Cool, nice. which apparently is a sign of Finland. See, yeah. I would not know that. That's 
taught me more about the country of Finland than I actually already know. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, well, That's this good. is emojis becoming the new language as we are constantly told yeah. before the coming. Yeah. Have you seen that Moby Dick has been translated into emojis? No. Uh, emoji wow. Dick. Emoji Dick is what it's called. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so it begins now, instead of call me Ishmael, it begins telephone man with moustache yacht whale okay sign. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm halfway through and it is gripping. <laughs> That sounds great. That's a really fun idea. <laughs> I think that sounds awesome. I don't think anyone will ever read it. Yeah, I know, but the, the act of it is just cool to know that that exists. Mm. I read a list on... Have you guys ever read The Daily Wire? No. Because no. I didn't realise what it was. Uh, it's actually a very right-wing publication. I didn't realise when I opened it. So uh, I was looking up ridiculous emojis, and so I saw the heading, A List of Ridiculous Emojis. So I clicked on the article. The full title is, A List of Ridiculous Emojis Forced Down Your Throat to Help Push the Left's Agenda. And it's about, uh, it's just an article railing against the climate change emoji. They're very angry about that. Very upset about the gay marriage emoji. Very upset about the safe sex emoji. What's, it was a really disappointing article. What's the climate change emoji? What's it look like? Um, I'm not sure if it's actually happened it's a lot yet. Of information I think it's been suggested. It. It's comparing pretty much the largest, most complicated system on the entire planet <laughs> and compressing that into a few pixels. That's a tough emoji. That's tough. Yeah. 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 I guess it's just like sunshine, sunshine, sad face. Aubergine. <laughs> so we should, <laughs> and that is why you are not on the board of emoji designers. So there is uh, a thing. So Apple and Samsung will have a different poo emoji. Although there is an emoji for pile of feces, they pick how to design it, right? So the Apple one has a, a face on it, yeah. right? But the Microsoft one doesn't smile and it doesn't have a face. It is just because the the code for it in Unicode is just pile of feces, right? Yeah. And someone wrote to Microsoft talking about this. Whereas Apple <laughs> designed there's like there's a Japanese thing called a lucky golden poo, which you yeah. could buy and you've been able to buy that for years and years and years mm-hmm. and it's a sort of lucky poo. Um so someone wrote to Microsoft and pointed out that the pile of feces emoji looks just like the soft scoop ice cream emoji unfortunately and microsoft replied saying it is a little unfortunate that the pile ends up resembling soft serve but we feel that people have specific intent when they use this emoji and the risk of it being confused or misused as soft serve is very low (laughs) so the way you distinguish between ice cream and poo if you're with an apple product is the poo is the one with the face on it yeah Yeah. whereas the way you distinguish between the two if both are in microsoft is the ice cream is the one with the cone. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I tell you something that I think you'll really like, Dan? Yeah. I was looking into smiley faces, you know, because the smiley face emoji is probably yeah. the most famous. And uh, there is a smiley face under Stonehenge. What? <laughs> I think on, this what? might be the oldest known smiley face. So they did what was the largest ever geophysical study a couple of years ago, uh, analysing the earth below Stonehenge. They did this survey and they've revealed all these pits in different shapes under Stonehenge, which were made at the same time. So they're from about uh, 2500 to 3000 BC. And one of the shapes is a very distinct smiley face with the round circle for the head and then the grin for the smile and then the two dots for the nose. Really? So that lends support to the theory that it was an early centre for rave culture. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to get in contact with any of us about the things we've said over the course of this podcast, you can get us on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland. 
Andy at Andrew Hunter M James at Eggshaped Chazinski you can email podcast at qi.com yep or you can go to no such thing as a fish.com that's our website we have all of our previous episodes up there you can also go to our group Twitter account which is at qi podcast and we all use that and we'll answer your questions if you have any we will be back again next week with another episode thank you so much for listening goodbye Bye.